Hi guys, you are listening to Apricity. My name is Sion. I'm your host. Apricity means the warmth of the sun in the winter. My hope is that this podcast feels like a warm hug on a cold winter day. It is currently 5.30 p.m. I am in Montreal, which is where I will be living for the next few weeks. It feels like the second I got here, I could just take one big deep breath. It's very quiet at our new Airbnb. The only sound is coming from birds chirping outside, which feels like a big change coming from Brooklyn. It's so beautiful here. All the trees are in bloom, so it's just super green. All the buildings here are old brick, I haven't had a chance to explore too much because I only got here a few hours ago, but I'm about to run to the market to get some salmon and asparagus and potatoes to make for dinner. Before I do that, I really quickly just wanted to introduce the wonderful guest in today's episode. I had the opportunity to sit down with my friend Alexa and record an episode. Alexa is a wellness and fitness content creator born and raised in New York City. She shares very openly about her health journey on today's episode. We talk about everything from healing from binge eating to releasing shame to starting a fitness journey. There's so much wonderful knowledge in today's episode. She's an amazing speaker and even more amazing person. So with that being said, let's get into the episode. I am joined here today by a very special guest. (laughs) Hello. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. I'm so excited. Alexa and I have been friends for three years now it's been like two and a half years I think two and a half years we met because I was having a picnic for my birthday that was conjoined with another girl did you know the other girl prior or was it like through social media I did I knew I knew her friend and then that's how I ultimately got invited to your joint birthday picnic where I had the pleasure of meeting everybody else And that was so fun. I'm so happy that we all got to connect. I remember that was a really big deal because that was the first, like, group thing I'd done since COVID where it was a Mm -hmm. lot of people. I mean, it wasn't a lot, but we were, like, in a park still sitting kind of far away from each other. Yeah. It was kind of the time where the world was almost in a stage of, like, rebirth a little bit. And mm-hmm. we both had been making wellness content. Were you creating during the pandemic? I was. I, I actually started my Instagram account in 2018, so it's been five years. Little known fact, but I really started doing it more consistently when COVID started, as a lot of people did, because I just felt so genuinely called to be there for people in a time of stress, even though it sounds kind of funny, just one person in one account being able to make a difference. I just really wanted to put out inspiring and helpful content during that time, and so I decided to start posting something every day. 
And what was your content when you started out? Was it mostly recipes? It was all recipes and things that I hoped people would find helpful, all based on my own journey pretty much and what was inspiring me at the moment. So things related to mental health or having a healthy relationship with food. Yeah, why don't you introduce what you're doing online currently for those who don't know you? I would consider myself to be primarily a wellness and fitness content creator but I like to think that I just kind of post about whatever feels good. When I was on my gap year after high school and I was just in this in-between period and really reflecting and figuring out what I like to do, I really thought that I had no interests or passions and I just found myself taking the time to make myself a nice nourishing breakfast every morning and making it look nice and started posting it on my finsta and then i realized oh this is actually really fun and maybe i should make a separate instagram account for it that's kind of where it all started out i swear every person i talk to that has an account they started with just making like recipes and they realized that they had this passion for nourishing themselves in an intentional way but then also making it look really pretty and making it kind of a practice that they implemented in their routine so I think it's really cool that you've done that but then you've also been able to expand to so many different areas like when I think of you now I always think of oh Alexa fitness queen (laughs) (laughs) because you have the best workouts ab challenges is that what you call them both I've some are more plank oriented and others are like mixed up yeah I've done some of those they're so hard they're awesome they're like the best best at home workouts no equipment which is nice because I think the reason I really love following different people's wellness accounts is because a lot of times I'm given tips that are tangible things that I can do at home and you don't have to have a gym membership or have to spend a million dollars on ingredients for things you'll look up a recipe online and you know how they're always so complex there are so many random ingredients that you have to run to the store and go out of your way to get i think with fitness what inspired me to start posting fitness content was that i myself felt like i could have really used some more core strength and I used to get back pain when I would do exercises. I had learned a very long time ago when I spent maybe 10 to 20 minutes with my mom's Pilates instructor that your core and strengthening it is how you eventually eliminate that pain. And I also didn't belong to a gym. I didn't want to spend money on my workouts. I wanted to make it as simple as possible. And that's how the five minute playing challenge started i just wanted to see if i could do it every single day for a month and see how much progress i would make and then i posted it on instagram and i think some other people joined in too and then i started doing them every month and i really was kind of blown away by how much stronger i got just by doing those five minutes they were not an easy five minutes at all and i did that on purpose because i just kind of wanted to get it over with and not have to spend too much time make it very convenient and low maintenance yet challenging and so now I'm such a fan of even if I don't go to a class or I don't go to the gym 
I'll do my five minutes at home and I feel like I'm really doing something good for myself. It's small practices every day that make the big differences. Exactly. So would you say that around the time you made the Instagram account is also when you got into fitness as well? You played tennis, right? My fitness journey was kind of, I guess, happened alongside my eating journey, if you want to call it that. But I grew up playing tennis seriously and I would play USTA tournaments, play 10 to 12 hours a week when I was a kid through high school pretty much and that was my main form of movement and so it was always built into my life but when I stopped playing tennis and I got to college and I or actually even before that on my gap year and I didn't have a tennis team or tennis lessons I for the first time felt more personally responsible for my own exercise and for physically challenging myself and so that was when I started doing things like Soul Cycle and Pilates and different classes and going for runs even, going to the gym. That was when I got introduced to all those things around the age of 18. And then I started going to the gym when I got to college. And at this time in my life, it was very, I would say, largely aesthetically oriented. I think that I was just used to having a certain body type from being an athlete and I so just wanted to stay toned. What I would do is go through these streaks of working out for a few months really intensely, get to something like my goal body and then just not feel like working out anymore, completely get out of shape and then the cycle would start again. And that was just not a sustainable way to go about fitness whatsoever. It wasn't until I started really making a commitment to myself that I was going to move in a challenging way at least once a week, but preferably a few times a week or more to feel good on the inside and de-stress that it really stuck as a habit. And since then, I move my body because I notice the difference when I don't. I notice that I'm a lot more fidgety and more anxious and whether it's a strength workout or cardio or even going for a walk simply moving makes me feel a thousand times better and that's the message that I really try to promote on my page I love that so much it's really hard when you grow up as an athlete and your workouts are kind of structured for you and usually when you grow up as an athlete you're a kid and so you can kind of eat whatever you want and you don't have to be as intentional your parents are probably kind of providing the food for you and then I think a lot of people go to college and then they're like oh wait this is up to me like it's up to me now I need to figure out what works for my body when I move what works for my body when I eat I really relate to you and the way that movement is just as much of a mental thing as a physical thing because when I first got into fitness I was also an athlete growing up and then in college I was very much focused on an aesthetic goal and then I noticed as I got older and as I got into yoga that movement was almost more important for my mental health the biggest thing that helped me come off antidepressants was doing movement so I completely relate to that with your journey and I think that a lot of people 
probably will be able to. You've shared a lot online about healing from binge eating disorder. I was wondering if you wanted to share a little bit more about that. Yeah, I'm always happy to share about this. I think that it's a topic that unfortunately is not talked about very much and luckily now it is a lot more than when I was going through it. But I started probably binge eating when I was about 15 years old and for the duration of my binge eating, maybe for the first like three or four years, nobody talked about it. It was very taboo. I didn't even know that it was a thing or that there was a diagnosis. And then towards the end, shortly before I started my recovery process, I found a couple of influencers actually who spoke about it. And that was so crucial in my journey. I had gone to therapy. I had done a lot of inner work. But actually being influenced by these ways of thinking that I didn't have access to before was so important that now I feel called to speak about it in hopes that I could help anybody else who might be going through it. And the more I've shared, the more I've learned how many people struggle with binge eating secretly and they feel ashamed, unfortunately, because our society has made us feel like if we binge eat, then it's a failure of our will and we're weak and there's something wrong with us, and that's not true. I experienced a tragedy when I was younger, so I lost my dad to leukemia when I was 14, and I didn't have any tools to cope with that, as probably nobody really does when they're younger, and I immediately, within a year, was turning to food to numb my emotions, and that's what got me started on binge eating. It started from this deeply emotional place of trying to escape my feelings and replace them with the pleasure that food might bring me. I always grew up pretty thin and being praised for my thinness and having an athletic build. And when I first started binge eating was the first time that I noticeably gained weight. And I remember a peer of mine saying something to me about how I looked puffy and they asked me if something happened. And I immediately felt so embarrassed because I had just gotten back from summer camp and had just eaten more than I ever had and immediately weighed myself, noticed that I had gained some weight and decided that I needed to lose it immediately. And the tools that were available for weight loss at the time were mainly calorie counting apps. So I imagine what I did was Google how to lose weight and immediately comes up this app called Lose It. And that was my introduction to calorie counting at the age of 15. And I spent the entire summer trying my best to lose the extra weight. And after a few months, I succeeded. But the issue now was that I had learned that certain foods shouldn't be eaten and that if I ate in a certain way, it was probably going to make me gain weight. And so I developed this fear of weight gain and began to restrict myself. I also hadn't really dealt with my underlying issue of dealing with my emotions and so that perpetuated the binge eating. Over the course of high school and a couple of years beyond, I cycled through binging emotionally, gaining a bunch of weight, and then restricting myself, trying to lose the weight, calorie tracking, and 
even macro tracking and getting very obsessed with the whole process. And I did do cognitive behavioral therapy a couple of times and those therapies did teach me a lot. But I think what ultimately helped me was just learning to think about things differently. I remember seeing this one post from a nutritionist I followed and to this day I'm so grateful for her. I'll give her a shout out. Her name is Lisa Hayam and she posted about an experience with emotional eating where she embraced it and didn't judge herself and therefore didn't binge. And I thought that that was so powerful and it ended up being pivotal in my journey because I realized it's not about the actions that you take, the foods that you choose, the reasons why you're eating. It's not about any of those things. It's about the self-judgment. And once I learned to accept all of my eating decisions and stop judging myself or not let my self-judgments get in the way of me feeling good or eating intuitively was when things really started to turn around for me. And that mindset has also been applied now to working out, to other areas of my life, because I think that a lot of the time, the root of the pain is really shame and feeling like you're doing something wrong and then punishing yourself for it. So learning to just have compassion for myself and then also feel my emotions, have the courage to cry it out instead of reaching for the cliche bag of chips and really process the feelings was extremely helpful. And shame really is the root of every limiting belief that we have binge eating it's so strange that we don't hear people talk about it more because it's i think the most common eating disorder that people have so many people will talk about restriction but then no one talks about the binging and i remember when i went through recovery my therapist was like almost everyone who restricts binges at some point and i was like really you're telling me i'm not the only one who's binge eating And I was so ashamed of it. I was so afraid of it. It's crazy because we're not really taught that food is an emotional thing. Food is something that we use to celebrate. It's something that we use to connect with others. And so why wouldn't you reach for the bag of chips when you're feeling sad, when it's something that has always made you feel good, you know? And I love that you share so openly about it because I think that a lot of people are probably listening and thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one who's gone through this. I'm not the only one who's been through this. So I would love to know, you said that a lot of it was you learning to think differently. What are some techniques or tips that you could give people who might not even necessarily struggle with binge eating, but might have negative self-talk or self-judgment? What are some things that you do to rewire those thoughts? I'll preface by saying, at the end of the day, as hard as you try, you can't control your thoughts. And releasing control of that is also an important part of the process there's sort of attitude changes or intentions that you can change in response to the thoughts that your brain decides to produce i think recovery for me involved two key processes one was learning how to deal with my emotions without food 
and use food as more of a secondary coping mechanism as opposed to a first line of defense. And the second was learning to get out of the restrictive mindset. And there's definitely a difference between food restrictions and having a restrictive mindset. It might sound confusing, but for example, I have a soy allergy, I'm lactose intolerant. Those are food restrictions and I choose not to eat those things for my health. A restrictive mindset is any form of self-judgment around the way that you eat. It's any sort of thought in your brain that says it's wrong that I ate too much, I ate past 9 p.m., I ate not because I was hungry but because it tasted good, and all these things that diet culture teaches us to think of as wrong or weak, it's that judgmental voice that is the restrictive voice. Recovery requires not necessarily eliminating that voice because I think it'll probably always exist somewhere inside of you because it's so ingrained, but reducing the power that it has over you so that you can hear the voice and be like, okay, that's cool. You know, you might think that it's bad to eat at night, but actually I'm hungry and I'm going to eat anyway. Just learning to take a different action that's more aligned with your intention to eat intuitively, to feel good, whether that's physically, emotionally, mentally, and to eat for purposes that are intentional. Like you could even think to yourself, I want to eat emotionally right now because it's my sister's birthday and I want to eat this cake because it it makes me feel good to enjoy some cake. And And I know that cake doesn't have nutritional value, but it has the value of making me experience joy. Also, to circle back a little bit, allowing yourself to feel, sometimes it requires you depriving yourself of that security blanket of binging in order to allow the feelings to come up. And let's say you have the urge to binge or the urge to restrict. Letting five minutes pass, maybe just thinking about what could be bothering me right now or writing in your journal or talking to someone who you trust and see if your body allows those feelings to come up. At least this was my experience, that once I actually allowed my body to process grief, sadness, stress, without first reaching for food, my instinct wasn't then to eat, it was to have compassion for myself and fully experience the feeling. And then later, if I wanted to eat, that was fine. But through that process, I learned how to actually This sounds cliche again, but feel your feelings. It made me realize that my whole eating disorder and all of my obsession around my diet had been a distraction and a coping mechanism in and of itself from addressing what was going on underneath. It's always the feeling underneath that we avoid and people will create problems to run away from their problems a lot of the time because it's... A lot less scary to say oh I overeat sometimes versus to face grief head-on and I think grief is one of the hardest emotions anyone has to go through a lot of the time there's not really a resolution to grief it's just acceptance and acceptance is so hard it's really helpful what you said if you're feeling dysregulated or like you want to binge to just even take five minutes or to call a friend or to just do some other type of action 
outside of going straight towards that urge the only way out on the other side of that is facing things kind of head on and feeling them do you have like a journaling practice or do you just like write whatever comes to mind yeah during that time for me when I was recovering journaling was extremely important journaling gives you space for yourself it's really you just giving yourself the time of day is how I like to think of it if you don't give yourself the time of day who's going to besides somebody who you pay to listen to you for an hour once a week but then you also have a record of what's going on inside your mind and you can gain clarity you can feel a sense of peace you can release things you can even use your journal to get organized if you want to channel your controlling tendencies into something else that's more productive use your journal for that make a to-do list sort out your thoughts it can really be anything you want it to be and the idea isn't to make this another thing that you're judging yourself on like how how well am i feeling my feelings any wellness practice that you implement there's always room for that voice that's like you didn't meditate today, you should feel bad about that. You didn't journal, you should feel bad about that. Even you didn't affirm yourself. Like the silliest, most ironic things, there's always room for self-judgment. And so to me, wellness is really coming to a place where you're not your own oppressor in any way. You are doing things because they actually bring you peace and for no other reason. I love that so much. That's so beautiful. I feel like that is the most freeing point in a wellness journey when you realize that you're not less of a person because you didn't meditate that day or you're not less of a person because you didn't do a 45-minute Barry's 50-minute, I don't know how long they are, Barry's boot camp workout, Mm -hmm. you know? We all have a different version of wellness that works for us. It was really true what you said in this one TikTok I think you were saying like wellness doesn't have to be that hard. I'm eating a rotisserie chicken right now. And we keep joking about like how I've just been doing a lot of rotisserie chicken days in my Airbnb. It's funny because when I was making the outline for this episode, I was like, oh, lazy girl hacks for wellness. But is it lazy or is it realistic? I think it's smart. Maybe that's just me being lazy and justifying it, but I think that, I mean, whatever works for you, right? So the idea is that you don't see the that girl and you see their nourishable and then you feel bad about yourself because that's not, that's not what we want. I think those videos can be really inspiring in a way and they obviously romanticize self-care. I am so into romanticizing and I, I love those images I think that in order to make the best use of them, you have to derive the meaning and the emotion of like what it's conveying versus like the aesthetic to a T and the practices to a T. So instead of saying, oh, I have to get up at six and I have to make this specific breakfast and do the specific workout at this time and create more rules for yourself, those practices are things that I can be do to be kind to myself that might make me feel good. So what are practices in my life that are going to make me feel good and sort of translating it into what works for you? And if that means getting a rotisserie chicken or for me, it's buying sliced turkey. I'm such a turkey sandwich for lunch girl because it's easy. It's easy and it tastes good and it 
it gets the job done. I feel satisfied. I'll see all these beautiful salads and nourish bowls and I'll, I will also be inspired by that. But I just want to emphasize that in order to be healthy, you don't have to make it look a certain way or eat a certain way. It can really be easier than what it looks like. I think it really does come down to like, what do I derive inspiration and joy from? And I just realized, this is completely off topic, but I didn't ask you your sun, moon, and rising <laughs> in astrology. Do you know your sun, yeah, moon, and rising? Yeah, I do. I am a Leo sun, Aries moon, and Sagittarius rising. That I know. And I know that those are all fire signs. You're just a firecracker. I'm just, I guess I'm just a firecracker. I'm a tr- triple fire. And that does actually resonate with me because even though maybe it doesn't seem like it on the outside, I definitely have a fiery personality. So it feels right. Yeah. I see all of those in you. When I'm around you, I always feel like really energized and excited. And I think that's the fire that's in you. And I'm the total opposite. I have like all earth, water, and air. I have almost no fire in my chart. So it's kind of nice to be around you because I'm just like, oh, like I need a little bit of that like intensity. Yeah, that intensity. Like we did that workout class together. We were both dancing a little bit. And I feel in my soul that's how I am. But then sometimes I'm like too shy to be like that (laughs) in the external world. So I always love being around fire signs because I think that they just are like so expressive and so just so much heart. I definitely have a lot of heart. I love very deeply. I think loyalty is also really important to me. And I think that might be a Leo thing as well. yeah. Yeah, totally. Probably like two or three people know this about me but there's a side to me that is extremely ragey (laughs) and it just it's so low-key I don't know it's in there it's in there I feel like all women have a side of rage that they yeah like we all have rage and why wouldn't we everyone's allowed to have rage yeah men too men too but I think men when they feel rage it's often seen as passion yeah what that makes me think about on kind of a separate note is that I think that when you are a benevolent person and you're not an aggressive person you kind of don't know what to do with rage because it's sort of demonized growing up like anger is supposed to be bad it's bad for people it's bad to hold anger but really it's just another feeling like every other feeling that you have that is okay to have and if you feel bad about it you're just going to kind of be angry at yourself and channel it towards yourself and that's not healthy I don't know, petition to have like ways for women to express their rage that are commonly practiced because I feel like that's not talked about. Besides, I guess, in sports maybe, but growing up that comes out and then when you get older, I guess for me, working out is a part of it now too. Same. Channeling all your anger into a glue bridge. It's like (laughs) you feel it like wherever you feel it in your body, you just work that part of your body and you do like a push movement and then you feel it getting released. That can be a cool way to think about it. I feel like that's the trick for feeling your emotions though, is learning to channel them into different things you do. Like for me, I channel a lot of sadness into writing or doing art and then 
my anger I try to channel into my movement and when I used to go for runs all the time that was the most therapeutic thing I could possibly do for a situation that had come up for me where I was feeling so much rage so much anger and I would just run and think about that and I would physically feel it get released from my body and after I'd be like oh I feel so much lighter like I feel better and kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier like feel your feelings big theme of this episode (laughs) Big theme, big theme. And don't judge yourself. Okay, so we talked about how movement is a big part of your life. What is your favorite workout to do? It so depends on how I'm feeling. This actually directly relates back to what we were just talking about. But if I feel any tension in my body, I will sometimes just spontaneously drop and do 10 sit-ups because I feel tension in my chest. And that's probably the most intuitive way that I ever move. If you know me, you know I live in athletic apparel and then I'm always ready to go and all I need is my floor and if I feel something, I just take care of it right away. But I do a lot of mega former Pilates. I think that can be such an effective workout. For some reason, Pilates gets a bad rap and people don't think that it does anything, but my core has gotten so much stronger by just doing that type of workout, whether it's a solid core class or an SLT class. I love both of those. I also have been learning a little bit more about weightlifting. And I say learning because it's a totally new skill for me and it takes practice. So I guess it's more practicing. And then hot girl walks. I feel the need to mention this. If you are really intimidated by exercise in general, I think the first thing that you should do is learn how to have good form Mm -hmm. mainly because that's how you prevent injury and also how you make all of your workouts way more effective do you have any other tips for beginners getting into working out or who are maybe like feeling intimidated by getting into a movement practice i think my main things would be try a bunch of things and see what you like try to find if not joy at least peace in your workouts rather than just doing it for an aesthetic goal by the way i i do have aesthetic goals and i I don't think they're bad i just think that if that's your primary motivation it's just not nearly as inspiring as this is going to feel great when i do it or feel great afterwards even so finding something that feels good and then also start small like if it feels intimidating to go to the gym for an hour go to the gym for 10 minutes and maybe you'll then want to stay there but only commit to a small amount of time if you don't even want to go to the gym get on your mat and do a five minute ab series get on your mat and do a minute long plank like whatever it takes to get you started in that flow so that you can continue on and be encouraged to keep going If you set small goals for yourself and you keep meeting them, you'll build confidence that way and it'll get less scary over time. Yeah, I think that's great. We talked a little bit earlier about healthy but easy hacks. Do you have any more that you want to share? Get a rotisserie chicken (laughs) immediately. (laughs) Seriously, don't make it so hard for yourself. So tips to to be healthy that are easy. Yeah, just I think like for people getting into wellness that are intimidated by it all, like what are the things that you maybe found in the beginning of your journey to be easy that helped you kind of like transition into it? 
for example, for me, one was creating a routine around movement. So every morning I work out at the same time. It's just easy because I can't go back and forth with myself on it. Not every morning, but the days that I do work out, it's always at the same time. When I first decided that I wanted to be a wellness baddie, I was way too ambitious about it. And I was like, (laughs) there are too many, like you see that one. Now it's like you see the that girl video and you're like, oh my God, like to get from here to that like eight step routine, it feels impossible. And it probably is impossible. Not going to lie. And it also like tangent, but that girl is also filming every step of that routine. So it's not even what you see. (laughs) It's that plus the filming. But I think that it's so important to start small. Really just commit to one thing. Like Sion just said, she does her one workout, same length, same time, non-negotiable every day. Choose one thing like that and make it actually doable. And then once you feel like you've mastered it and it's a part of your routine and it's automatic, then you can move on to the next little habit. The whole time, it's not going to be something where you're like feeling like you're a failure if you don't do it. It's something that you're doing out of self-love. You're moving your body because you want to feel good. You're eating your healthy breakfast because you want to have energy and feel satisfied and just have a great day. And definitely can take some discipline just to have consistency with these things. But just try doing one. Where do you think your life would be most impacted if you changed one thing? And really stick with it. You don't have to do every single wellness practice to totally transform your life. It can just take one change. Totally. Movement is a great one to start with because working out is hard. Getting yourself to a yoga class is hard. Just showing up, it really is the hardest part. Doing that is a really great way to prove to yourself that you can do hard things and that you can take on things that feel like they're impossible because for me a lot of the times I do not want to work out this morning I was like walking (laughs) to my Pilates class and it's not like my body was too physically tired to do it it was just like I feel lazy right now I don't feel like doing this and I was like see on we make promises to ourselves and we follow through on them and that's just how we build trust with ourselves. I love that so, so much because I think sometimes when you get into this territory of talking about eliminating self-judgment, that can be confused with not having any discipline at all, and that's just not true and not going to work. It's what you said before. It's having both the discipline and the self-compassion and one because of the other. You're making this promise to yourself and you're keeping it because you're establishing trust and you're establishing a good relationship with yourself as if you're your own best friend or family member and keeping promises to your friends and family members is what allows you to have a good relationship. So similarly, if you tell yourself that you're going to get up in the morning and go do a workout, you need to make sure that you do it because then you'll believe yourself next time and that will help you build confidence and self-love. Yeah. Since you're a wellness content creator, what does wellness mean to you? I touched on this a little bit earlier, but I think for me and my journey, and I have a feeling other people will resonate with this too, wellness means having compassion for yourself and releasing shame in a lot of ways. The release of shame can be the root of so much growth and open you up to so much more happiness and success even. 
And I actually make a distinction. My page is about wellness and fitness. And to me, that's wellness. And the fitness side of it is kind of the tough side where you are challenging yourself and you're getting stronger every day. And those things go together, but they're also different. So I think wellness is feeling good, being at peace with yourself, not being your own oppressor, being your own best friend instead. Fitness is pushing yourself to get stronger every single day. Beautiful. And then rapid fire questions for the end. So I always have my guests ask their followers to ask them questions before they come on. So here's a little rapid fire question round. Who do you look up to? Wow, that's such a huge question. And I also look up to a lot of different people. So I was really fortunate to discover the side of the wellness space on social media that really helped to heal me pretty early on. And people that were involved in that were, as I mentioned before, Lisa Hayam. She's a registered dietitian. She's spoken about binge eating pretty openly. She has a very balanced approach to eating. I also read Kelly Levesque's book, Body Love, and I would highly recommend that book to anybody who just wants basically a beginner's guide on how to nourish yourself and be nutritious in a way that doesn't feel restrictive and feels actually very abundant and makes you feel your best. Those are two people I've looked up to a lot. I also love Melissa Wood's content. I think her journey is so inspiring. She and I share a certification. We both graduated IIN, the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, and I heard her speak at a conference last year, and she was absolutely lovely and has such a nice way about her and her whole journey of using movement as a way to find peace within herself really resonates with me. So those are a few people who I've definitely looked up to on my journey. Those are awesome. I love Melissa Witt too. She was my introduction to at-home workouts, (laughs) like many Mm -hmm. people. Okay, next one is... I don't think we mentioned this in the beginning of the episode, but Alexa is a true New Yorker. Mm -hmm. She's born and raised in New York City. And so I thought it would be good to maybe ask you for your favorite things to do in the city, favorite things about New York for people who are maybe going to visit in the future. I love New York so much. I grew up here. I grew up in the city on the Upper East Side. And I tried to leave for college and I missed it so much that I literally transferred to NYU and came back. So I'm such a New Yorker. I try to convince all of my friends who don't live here to move here. And this might be just me, but I'm like the biggest cafe hopper of all time. So I think one of my ideal days is just walking around, getting coffees, sitting at cute cafes. I'm obsessed with the West Village. That's becoming kind of a basic quality now, but I really am obsessed with the West Village and it gives me such European vibes, especially on a nice summer day. So just going for a walk, going on the West Side Highway, exploring the many workout classes that are now available in the city has also been really fun. And I know people are probably really curious about nightlife. I don't go out that much and I'm kind of a grandma, so... You can DM me and I'll give you some places, but yeah, I'm usually like a daytime girly. One of the special things about New York is that 
the food here is insane and unlimited and there's everything so if you are a foodie like i am and also a gut issues girly like i am i can give you some recommendations juice press is one of my go-to's everything there is super healthy and tastes really good i like making my own coffee but in terms of sitting at places i love plant shed plant shed is a flower shop and cafe Rosecrans is the same exact thing. Partners Coffee, great place to sit outside in the West Village. There is a cafe chain in the city that is great for if you're on a budget and you want high quality coffee and you're on the go. It's called Mato. What is inspiring you in this season of your life? You just graduated college. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Thank you. This is such a weird time. I'm sure anybody who has ever graduated college relates and knows what I'm talking about. I am in such an in-between right now. I haven't experienced a kind of transitional period like this where I have time to really reflect and slow down in a long time. So it's been really interesting having my days, frankly, just be open and deciding my own schedule. I am in the process of applying to jobs and I'm really excited to go out and get some big girl work experience. It'll be definitely a change, but it'll be fun and exciting, hopefully. But yeah, I think what's inspiring me right now is just the thought of building my life. Just the thought of now I'm done with school and now I'm like a real adult and I get to build something. You and get there to be are endless, you want. endless possibilities. So it's like, what does that look like? And I've never gotten deep into manifestation. I've definitely learned a little bit about it. And I've kind of thought to myself, oh, I want to make a manifestation journal and but I never really committed. But now I'm like, I think it's time for the manifestations to happen because I don't know if it's the triple fire in me, but I just want so much for myself. Like I want to have the most amazing life ever. And I feel like now is the time to start thinking about it and making it happen. So what's inspiring me is like kind of everything, (laughs) to be honest, just like the idea of like becoming like an independent adult woman and creating my life is inspiring and I feel like that also kind of answers the next question which is what are you most looking forward to in the near future that might be like longer future but what what about like next week next week I'm really trying to plan a trip to Europe so let's see if that works out that would be really really fun I'm excited to just spend my time doing things that I genuinely enjoy like mm-hmm. creating content seeing my friends, like learning about topics that interest me and finding myself work. Like that's way more exciting to me than all of school and writing papers. So you're excited about living. I'm just excited about living. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on today. I feel like everyone's going to walk away with a lot of insightful knowledge and if you don't follow Alexa on Instagram, go follow her right now. Your Instagram is? It's Alexa Noban, A-L-E-X-A-N-O-B-A-N. And it's Noban, not Noban. <laughs> <laughs> so you can follow me on Instagram or TikTok. It's the same handle. Love your friend Sion and Alexa.